cold of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on.
and the boys at the top who run the world love to, to get their own way and to plan things and follow it through. Democracy would always hinder them as people haggled about points and fine points and so on, and politicians battled each other for brownie points. And so they, they set up a parallel government. Uh, this parallel government would be based, at least initially, in London, England, and it was given a royal charter to exist, so it speaks on behalf of the crown, you might say, and that which the crown stands for, which is a, an aristocracy of wealthy elites who realize this is their world, they've created it so, and they want to plan their future. We'll be back with more after the following messages. with Cutting Through the Matrix and just mentioning how big meetings were held in London and other major centres in Europe because they're all connected with the same, the same people at the top who are all related actually and they, they said a democracy had too many conflicting parties parties which could never be reconciled in any way and the bickering would go on forever and this would stagnate culture something they really hate at the top uh, the stagnation of culture when they have an agenda to put forth and the agenda has always been how to control people to make it happen actually by studying them putting incredible amounts of money out uh, on studying human nature and finding ways to ultimately control all of it and then to bring the population down to keep it in check to have what they call a manageable level and since everything at the top is run on economics we forget that our little lives here, you and I and all the rest of the people, we're all part of that economic system. And when the herd is too big, it becomes unmanageable for them. It's not productive enough. And they plan to start knocking it down. And they were writing about that part of it as early as the 1700s. You should check out uh, Thomas Malthus's writings on population. It's, it's quite interesting. Now, before I go on to this next topic, which backs up what I talked about last week, uh, with the, the types of scanners they're using for the brain now for the video games. This follows on from it. I have uh, Jason in Pennsylvania on the line. Are you there, Jason? Hello, Jason. Yes, I'm here. Yeah. I just wanted to thank you, first off, for all your hard work. And I'm actually an artist trying to um, help fill in the blanks of the great work for people visually. And I'm just curious if you had time for a quick off-topic question. Uh, it, it depends how far off beta is. Yeah. Now, it has to do with um, actually genetics, the science of altering um, humanity through women to create the perfect man, I guess, the perfect worker, which I believe you symbolized through the use of just Y with two dots over top of it. Yeah, that's, that's within the range because I've talked on this before. You see, they've had many, many meetings about about creating new types of worker bees for a future society that would serve an elite, an intellectual elite, uh, very well without all the problems. See, we uh, presently, we need to be entertained. We need to, uh, to have uh, money left to reward ourselves with and buy things from China every month, like trained little animals. And uh, this is using up what they claim as the resources. So they did 
uh, target uh, women um, and brought down the fertility rate actually through different means. One was simply by uh, encouraging them, encouraging them to to go out into the workforce. It doubled the tax base too, of course, but uh, also to have smaller families because they start wanting things with that money to buy things, and maybe they would shelve having children or, or, or postpone it indefinitely and buy the actual items themselves. That's what Charles Galton Darwin uh, talked about in his book, The Next Million Years, and he was a grandson of Charles Darwin. He said if he can entice them to get a better house or a better car or something like that, or to own things and constantly buy, 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 they won't have children. They'll give that up. So he was right in that extent that that's true. In the Western world, the families tend to dwindle right down. Uh, most of the population is rising simply because of massive immigration that happened in Britain and was admitted to by Margaret Thatcher. So um, they also went another uh, road, and that was to introduce uh, various biphenols into, from plastics into uh, so much of the, of the things that you, 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 you drink from, especially. And it mimics um, a female hormone, and it can re-upset the hormonal balance as well. And then when you see how they've gone into even the, the massive investigation into a birth control pill and all the effects that that had, the side effects and so on, uh, this was even noticed by Carol Quigley, who noticed um, the changes in structure of the male and the female in a very rapid succession. That doesn't happen in nature by chance. Uh, it happened very quickly. Women's uh, hips are becoming uh, narrower. And, and men, are, their, their shoulders are becoming very, very narrow too, within one generation. Yes. And this is all to do with the excess um, uh, female hormones now. Uh, they're actually synthetic too, so they have side effects outside of the norm, the normal uh, um, uh, estrogens, etc. Uh, so those side effects are also re-engineering us. And who knows what the food does to back this up. Now, they knew about the, the, the plastics and what plastics give off, and even encouraged, they made a whole fad of drinking out of plastic bottles. That's yeah. not by chance, because they knew in the 1930s exactly what it did to the human body. Now, in your book, you stated that the end goal is to almost create a complete hermaphrodite race. Yeah. Am I correct on that? That's right. Um, even NASA put a two-hour documentary out a few years ago, and David Suzuki narrated it. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about long-term space travel to go off and mine. That was the first or the only purpose, the major purpose of going off uh, into space if they, one day if they had to. And I'm sure, too, it'll be a way for an elite to escape if they, if they have to as well. Yes. But they knew that uh, they went through the different problems of... This has all been discussed at major NASA meetings. Um, interpersonal conflicts on board a ship with male and female as they all compete for, for the women, the women compete with each other for the men, uh, there'd be chaos. Yeah. And they thought of other ways of getting around that. And they thought of even creating a, a human type that could be born. Uh, and the, the whole process of, um, of being, being, uh, coming together, sperm and ovum, would take place in a machine en route to their destination. And the being that would come out of it would be neither quite male nor female. And that, so that, in other words, you'd have, you'd have no gender problem at all right. if, you, if you create a whole bunch of them. These are things which I've actually discussed uh, and talked about. And, and essentially, you could create a, a being which, and this has been discussed about too, uh, which is, is neither male nor female, 
uh, and basically sexless altogether, no sexual drives or impetuses. And uh, you could initiate, initiate the hormonal reactions to, to self-generate by inoculation of certain things into them at a certain time. Now, are they trying to make this being almost um, asexual? Is it going to reproduce, or is it just solely for work? And to I, I think it'll be able to reproduce only, as I say, if, if the ones at the top uh, give you an added, an added, either a hormone or a chemical or something that will set the process in motion. And perhaps one day, if you're a good model, um, uh, that'll be how they reward you, is to allow yourself to be reproduced. I see. I see. Like a clone. Okay. Um, that pretty much answers it all. Thank, yeah. All right. Well, thanks Thank for you. calling in. All right. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, a, it's a whole incredible, amazing talk. You don't have to even imagine this stuff. Uh, it's been discussed at high, high level science meetings, the whole future. And the problem, as they call it, they always call it down through history, the problem. They had the Turkish problem at one time. They had the Jewish problem, they called it at one time. That's what the British government called different uh, factors of society that were standing in the way of something, of something that they had planned. And so problem by problem, they work on it and get rid of it, move it to the side and go ahead. And the gender problem is the other one, because in this perfect world, for perfect slaves, they want a society with no conflicts whatsoever amongst the workers because all conflicts uh, uh, detract from the work at hand and cause problems. If you have home or domestic uh, problems and so on, you can't concentrate on your job. So that's classified as basically uh, un unproductive. It detracts from production. Now, we've also got um, Ryan in New York. Are you there, Ryan? Hello, Ryan. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Hey, uh I used to wonder why there would be so many changes throughout the decades uh, in America, and why things would be changing so fast by the decade, and uh, there was so much excess. And there was, even though we would learn about like ethnocentricity in like high school, we still didn't even know that we were like the most ethnocentric people around. Yeah. And uh, I just can't help but think that we were, uh, you know, just set up to totally finish off these wars. You're correct. In fact, that's the most amazing thing because you'll find in some of the big authors that were involved in a lot of the culture creation, they talked about this very thing, how the United States was actually created, the culture was created via the media through, through external forces to the people. And, and the people adopted everything that, they came, that came from the advertising industry until that was wrapped integrally with the whole culture itself. So you're quite right. Yeah, and it's like the, uh, the war on drugs was just a sifting process to beef up uh, police for the war on terror. Well, that one war on something from, from about for 50-odd years, it's an ongoing state of war. And it's interesting, too, that there are there are clauses within the Constitution where a president becomes de facto um, a dictator or a tyrant, depending how you want to view it, um, during times of war. So when you go ongoing wars, it's just like revolutions. Most revolutions are bloodless, uh, like the cultural, uh, the sexual, uh, various revolutions. They're all pushed from the top, though, and we adapt uh, into the new culture. Well, it's the same with the wars on things. Um, they, they pick a, a topic uh, soak you with more taxpayers' money, give you more militarized police and more rights for themselves to invade your home, etc. 
and its ongoing war. Uh, this is what Orwell was talking about. Ongoing war can be viewed from many different aspects. Most people think of the word, and they don't go beyond what they see on television or men in uniform over in some other country. Most wars happen at home. And when they kill, they think they're evolving, I guess, and programming is like such specialized killing, I guess. Y yes, and uh, there are books out uh, about Hollywood, uh, talking about Hollywood and the Pentagon uh, from the earliest days and how billions of dollars have been spent on making movies. Yeah, well, Jarhead says it all. Yes, uh-huh. And that's all intentional, and that becomes right down to the video games. You, you read a whole generation who don't uh, think much, and they go into a war without asking questions. Hold on until after these messages, and we'll, we'll talk on our side of this, this break. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, and we're back with Cutting Through the Matrix. And we've got Ryan on, from New York on the line. We're talking about uh, the culture itself and how the U.S. was pretty well designed uh, to take up its role in the world. And we certainly do know that it had strange beginnings when you go into the, the presidents and even the first president, really, of the United States that was related to the British royalty, who came out with a, a new country with no history they couldn't use European countries because everyone else knew that each country had in turn plundered all the rest uh, for its small aristocracy. So they gave us a, a knight in shining armor, and that was the United States that step by step has fulfilled a role of creating a novus ordo seclorum, a new world order, a new uh, secular type of order. And that's its role. It was openly Freemasonic from the beginning, and it still is at the top if you watch all the, the signals given off during major speeches yeah. for those with eyes to see and ears to hear. It's always been that way. Most people have to have things pointed out to them because that's what they think the media is there for, to tell them what to think. They can't think for themselves, and that works very well. Do you have anything more to add to that, Brian? Oh, uh, no, thank you. Yeah, thanks for calling. But it is, it is quite right. Um, we know even as far back as Rudyard Kipling... Uh, they wrote a very good book called The Man Who Would Be King, and they made that into a movie with uh, Michael Caine and uh, Sean Connery. An excellent book about had a, a Masonic tale to added to it. But Kipling himself was also a propagandist for the British Commonwealth. He was brought up in India, but he was staunchly in favor of Britain leading this world into this new British system worldwide. And he came over and gave a speech to the Senate. Uh, being a high mason, you're allowed to do that on the Senate floor. And uh, he quoted his famous poem where he said, We pass the torch on to you, the white man's burden. And that was their role from then on in the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which created its, its uh, American branch, the Council on Foreign Relations, took over the job of directing the world because it had a massive tax base and plenty um, manpower to bring off this job and they said that the US would take over and become the policeman of the world for a while but eventually it would falter it would, it would rally again a couple of times and falter at the very end and then China would take over as the policeman of the world that's how it's all set up we're living through the theatrics right now at the moment as they finish off their job of 
standardizing the planet. And we've also got uh, another caller there on the line, or is she gone? I can't see her there. Hello? Was yes, it Maggie? Hello. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was just thinking, um, in this, this brave new world of perfect, uh, perfect control of everything, reproductive control, just, just everything, uh, that you've been talking about and they've been planning. Um, don't you think that once they've achieved that, they might become a little bit bored and start to turn on each other? And uh, yeah. secondly, do you think they foresee that problem at all? If yeah. we yeah, can they, foresee they, they it, do they foresee could, it. Yeah, they do foresee it. What do they think they're going to do about that? Or, have they, or will they cross that bridge when they come to it? No, they're, they're, they're going to use technology to stop themselves eventually. Really? Yeah, and uh, it was interesting because I've got an article I'll read in a little moment. It backs up this whole thing about um, using video games and how they affect your brain. But they've already they've got a little ring they can put around a brain which will monitor each other's uh, thoughts, basically, and keep them all in check at the top as well. Be on a higher level than those down below, but uh, and, and less uh, intrusive. But uh, it's an actual ring. And Arthur C. Clarke, I wondered where he came up with this idea, but I knew he belonged to the Futurist Society. And every book he's written has been about the agenda. And so he was given the story, obviously, because this has been reported in major magazines. And I'll, I'll be reading about that in a little while. So they think they can actually keep themselves inter. Uh, scanned every day on a daily basis and they won't be able to hide any, any nasty deeds from each other at the top. Well, it still seems to me like some foxy individual among them is going to try to find a way around this. I'm sure you're right because these uh -huh. characters um, are so devious uh, and even in their own little games with each other at times um, and they, they have the ability to think outside the box and see unique opportunities to to alter anything technological wise that's made. If you mm -hmm. if you made a machine that could you couldn't break into, they'd find a way to do it. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it'll be a power play for a while as different ones try to uh, get in to this uh, fail-safe type system they want to set up, and and then conquer everyone else's mind. See, the thing is, when the, the goal itself is going to give the ability of one person eventually being in charge of everyone else on the planet, mm -hmm. uh, that the main programmer, the, the one who designs all the programs for all the stuff that's coming up, will, will be, and they'll probably call themselves God or give themselves an uh -huh. old deity's name. But that, that's what it's, you're setting ourselves up for. And most people will go along with this step-by-step step in the bottom levels um, uh, before they get to the final st stage of this. They'll go along thinking it's going to entertain them all the more and it, it's quite amazing to see it all happening even now in your own lifetime. Yes. Um, now, once they reach this perfect state of perfect numbness, which is what it sounds like to me, what will be the pleasures of the people at the top that they can still enjoy? Will it be music, fine music and art and food and racehorses and that sort of thing? Will they still have the capacity to Yes. Enjoy? In fact, that's pretty well what Dr. C. Clark foresaw. That's about it. Okay. I'll be back after the, the following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
folks, I'm Alan Watt, and we're, we're cutting through this matrix, and I, I've been talking to Maggie there in, from Texas about how the elite themselves plan to save themselves, because generally they battle each other towards the end of empires and so on, for the position of top dog. And yeah, after C. Clark mentioned this, this uh, in his last novel, it's 3001, where they all live in these big, spiraling towers, all the wealthy elites, and they'll just play themselves and have amazing uh, experiences with all the new types of, of ways to amuse themselves, this idle rich. And there's no real mention of what happened to all the old type, you know, the class B and C and D and E and F type humans that uh, had existed, because the elites themselves as being the chosen people to to come through all of this. They're the naturally evolved types with the higher intellects and this thing called virtue that, of course, every other class can't have, apparently. And he wrote about it. And sure enough, here's a, a document here. And this is, people should look into this one. It came up, uh, it was sent to me by a listener. It backs up what I was talking about. It's, called, it's from cnnmoney.com. And this was published on July the 24th, 2006. And it says, San Francisco uh, Business 2.0 magazine. Two years ago, a quadriplegic man started playing video games using his brain as a controller. That maybe just sound like fun and games for the unfortunate, but in reality, it spells the beginning of a radical change in how we interact with computers, and business will never be the same. Someday keyboards and computer mice will be remembered only as medieval-style torture devices for the wrists or work emails, spreadsheets. Google searches will be performed by mind control. If you think that's mind-blowing, try to wrap your head around the sensational research that's been done on the brain of Matthew Nagel by scientists at Brown University and three other institutions in collaboration with Foxborough, Massachusetts-based company, Cyberkinetics, Neurotechnology Systems. So this is where all is cybernetics, neurotechnology. The research was published for the first time last week in the British science journal Nature. It says Nagel, a 26-year-old quadriplegic, was hooked up to a computer via an implant smaller than an aspirin that sits on top of his brain and reads electrical patterns. So it reads the patterns, the languages, the languages of the, the pulsations throughout your brain, to your, from from and to your eyes, your ears, and so on. Is mapping your brain. Using that technology, he learned how to move a cursor around the screen, play games, control a robotic arm, and even as his couch potatoes prepare for a gasp and awe, turns his brain into a TV remote control. And it chats on and chats on. And now, this is quite interesting because, you see, this device and this experiment was done by DARPA. DARPA. Now, DARPA is a branch of the Pentagon and Homeland Security. They're not in the business of helping paraplegics or quadriplegics, but this is how they always introduce technologies into the public. You get the idea implanted, and when it comes out in reality, we take it for granted. Very simple. We don't think about the consequences or the real purpose of them, because this is going to be linked up with computer games. Computer games which will not only do EEGs on your, on your brain, electroencephalographs, it will also use a, a form of, of transmission to and from your brain. Read your patterns, get the ideal you, the, 
the, the personal you by using ultrasonic uh, techniques, technology. So uh, this is all underway. And the Pentagon is behind it. Should, that should rattle us all and get us all suspicious. Now what's, what's, what they taught at all military academies, including the ones in Canada, every officer training corps taught that the way to have peace is to basically eliminate all the causes of war. And the big think tanks have already blamed the general public in every country for the causes of war, even though it's the guys at the top from the elite who declare wars, you see. But no, they want to reduce the population step by step by step. It says Stu Wolf, one of the top scientists at DARPA, the Pentagon Scientific Research Agency, that's who's behind all these games, which gave birth to the Internet. Gave, it gave us the Internet. The Pentagon had it for years before they designed and gave it to us. It's a step-by-step process, and we adapt. We adapt like rats falling through the maze, picking up the seed, and we adapt so quickly. It's also without implants. Stu Wolf, one of the top signs at DARPA, um, seriously believes we'll be wearing computers in headbands, headbands, right from Arthur C. Clarke. That came out in the 90s, Arthur C. Clarke's one, because he was in on the null. This is within 20 years. By that time, we'll have super-fast, super-tiny computers that make today's machines look like typewriters. The desktop will be dead, said Wolf, and the headband will dominate. Right out, right out of Arthur C. Clarke's 3001 novel. Isn't that quite amazing? Mr. High High Mason, Arthur C. Clarke. And you can read that particular article for yourself. And now I think uh, we've got Kevin from Texas on the line. Hello, Kevin. Yes, sir. Yes, go ahead. Uh, Well, I uh, just had a couple of quick questions. Kind of um, might not quite be on the subject, but... You know, a lot. Of, I, I guess everybody takes it for granted. We know about the chemtrails. I mean, we know that's going on. Well, most of well, the ones who look up do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. We, we. I think everybody. I think everybody now knows it's going on. Mm-hmm. But it always it, it, it gets me a little bit, you know, thinking, you know, well, uh, these people that are doing this have to know that they are doing this to themselves, mm-hmm. because I mean, they're not. They're not spending their entire lives indoors. No, either this, this is where you're you think again. If, if, you're, if you're thinking in what we think is real time, uh, this is the, the kind of logical questioning we ask: is why would they do this to us and not harm themselves? It isn't until you realise that science is so far ahead of anything we're told about. It literally is dished out on cue. Uh, when it's when it's necessary, they have portable machines that can literally filter your blood, and you can put it in your pocket in the high levels. They can be doing this on a daily basis. There's many ways that delete themselves that will not be affected, because their 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 first concern is always to save themselves. Always. Well, that would they, they don't get the same inoculations their... that you get. That they, they they don't eat the same food that you eat. They don't eat, eat the modified stuff. Um, it's, and, and, and you can bet your bottom dollar that whatever they're spraying on the public will not affect them and there's some way to filter this out of their system in a very easy, simple, um, portable way that, that we, we don't even think of or even know exists. Well, I, would, I would think if they're... Okay, I can understand that. And uh, Well, that makes a little sense now to me. But, I mean, if they're like uh, processing themselves like that, that would explain a lot of their low mental capacity. 
it, it also, it, it, see, they don't need a high IQ. They need a psychopathic ability. They hire the scientists that come up from the ranks of the general public, uh, the certain ones that are exceptionally talented in some area, maybe a mad genius even, and, and they hire these characters to do all the thinking for them. They hire the think tanks to do all the thinking for them too. But, yeah, you can bet your bottom dollar these guys have methods to neutralize the stuff that we're breathing in. And as I say, they don't even eat uh, the modified food uh, that we do. Okay, well, that kind of leads into my next question, which you may or may not want to answer. Well, first, I had have, I have one little comment to make before I ask my last question. I detect a Scots accent. I may be wrong, but I do. And uh, that's fine with me because I'm a Scotsman. I'm an American, of course, yes. Texan. Yeah. But from Scott's descent, my mother's maiden name was Rose, R-H-O-D-E-S. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We all know about that, don't we? Yes, we do. We do. And <laughs> but, but my last question was, uh, what are you going to do? What are you, Mr. Watt, going to do when they knock on your door? Well, uh, when I look at it, if they knock on my door, that would be my own fault for staying too long and I, I generally have a good intuition uh, as to when things have gone far enough and it's time to move and uh, I preferably won't be here I, I think really by 2010 we're going to see the start of more chaos as the, as the Kyoto goes into effect and they start cutting back on your power, your gasoline making you pay extortionate sums for fuel for heating oil, for all the things you take really up till present for granted, um, that's going to be the start of, of the, the first, perhaps, riots. Because uh, they, they, they predict we're going to have them for the next 20, 30 years. They didn't tell us when they'd start, but you can pretty well say it's when the Kyoto is already signed into law, uh, when they start to implement all of these things, and all these high taxes that are going to be added on to all your, your, your fuel and energy consumption. Um, and people start losing even more jobs, and you start seeing the credit cards being pulled in and money controlled even tighter, uh, that's when that's when they're going to start to see riots. That's when they'll come out and get the people. Uh, I understand that. And for whatever it's worth, I mean, I'm in Texas now, and you're up there in Canada, and if I'm anywhere nearby when they knock on your door, I'll be happy to come over and stand next to you. That's good to know that. I appreciate that. Thanks Take for care, calling. Mr. Watt. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Now we've got uh, Andrew and Victoria. There are you there, Andrew? Yeah. Hi, Alan. How are you tonight? I'm keeping out of this awful snow. It's a whole week every day in, in the snow, just clearing the snow. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Here in Victoria, I can tell you that uh, yesterday we were probably the only place in Canada that didn't have snow. We just had the rain mixed with snow, and so I think we're the only place without it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I, they I are harping us. That's because they made up for it. They dumped it all here, right over my house. <laughs> right over my that, house. Yes. Uh, I'm getting about eight inches per day, averaging. Eight inches a day. Yeah. The start of a new ice age, right? Well, whatever they get. I was on another show today, and I was mentioning the the publication that came out a couple of years ago when the Pentagon said they'll shortly own the weather. Mm-hmm. Now, whenever they announce that, they do own the weather. And uh, we're seeing it because I had so many emails from New England and Maine and all over 
eastern seaboard, talking about the most intensive spraying they've seen leading up to the storm. And I've seen them do this before, even in my area in previous years. So they're doing it. It's quite, they've got to convince the public it's all to do with the melting polar cap and all the rest of it. So they make it happen and they come forward with the solution, which is your life is not your own. Uh, we're all interdependent and you all have to do what we tell you and follow what the scientists say. That's well, that's it. You hit a major word there, interdependence. It's a, a new word that we've been fed on in, in the new age. And yes. what I'm teaching my daughter is, is skip that, stick with independence. That's, that's, that's where correct. we have to be. Yeah. And, and Maggie Good. Thatcher pushed that out when she escorted Michael Gorbachev around the world on a tour. And, and um, she was the first one to really use that publicly, uh, at least on television, although there's, there were books published, uh, even Manly P. Hall High Freemason published that in one of his books. We're bringing in a world of interdependence where everyone will be uh, um, dependent on the whole system for every need they have. And that's the point. Independence is bad. Interdependence is good. And so you'll all have to, to play the game, you know. Yes, yeah, so that, that, that if you don't fit in, then, well, you must have a psychiatric illness and off you go. Yes, in China they use that already. They call it... Um, Creating uh, um, is, is called uh, social and antisocial behavior, even down to having a second child. is now termed as being antisocial. You're, you're taking the food away from the rest of the people by having that certain that second child, and you're antisocial. So this has been this has been used now across all societies. This, this kind of terminology. If you if you don't want to give up independence in a specific area. You, you have to, so you, in an interdependent society, you'll have to work in a system, get your money or credits, as credits eventually will be dished out by the government, and you have to pay rent, there'll be no private property in the new system, and, uh, and, and therefore you, you must work, so that, that guarantees that you work for the system in the way that the system is designed. You won't be able to choose what you work at, and yes. you'll be dependent for every need uh, for your own personal survival on the system. That's the world they're talking about. <laughs> they create social approval and social disapproval. That's the term they use uh, in China. Wonderful. The model state, according to the United Nations. Exactly. That's the model state for us all to follow a controlled society. And, and even China, uh, the population will be brought down drastically um, because they won't need a big manufacturing system to supply a much more reduced population in the world. So, so they were, they'll be brought down too. Well, that's right. And, and, and China is creating their, their work camps. I mean, you look at Foxconn, they're the people that make Apple computers. You know, you go buy an Apple and it says, designed in California, assembled in China. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you know that you started the whole thing by eating an apple. What a, what a coincidence, eh? Yeah, taking a bite out of the apple. Exactly. And the best apple there is is a red rosy one called a Macintosh. <laughs> Everything's in front of us. It's all a big joke. And the gatekeepers in control of it all, Mr. Gates. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then they create the illusion of competition between Jobs yeah. and, uh, yeah. and Gates. and, and, and <laughs> That's right. You know, and here, you're, you're, you're top companies in electronics that the public think is in an entertainment business like Sony and, and all the rest of them are, are hand-in-glove the same agenda to do with brain implants, etc., because all the biggest corporations in the world were actually started up by the Pentagon or the CIA or by MI6. They're real corporations. 
and but they're, they're, they and they bring in money and they do make other products. But their main thing is is to make sure that they're always in control of the future and technology. They could never allow a competitor to come up and come up with something drastically different. And yeah. that's that's why the big ones are all uh, uh, joined together at the hip, basically. And, and here, as I stare at a, an Apple computer, there's a little television uh, camera right in the middle of the top, and when it's active, there's a little green light that comes on beside it to say, hey, you know, this camera's watching you, but anybody who knows anything about computers knows it's a simple matter just to send a signal to say, turn off that light. So for all I know, as I'm standing here, somebody's watching me without my knowledge. It's 1984 right now. It's right there, and they've already admitted it in some of them that uh, they can activate the microphones in the laptops any time that they wish to and hear everything that's being said in, in rooms. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's whether the computer's on or off. That's the uh, that's right. In fact, the biggest producer of they're, they're made just out should say Shanghai. Most laptops of all companies are made just out in the same company. One factory makes them of all brand makes. Yes. And that's your other clue that they're all one. Yes. And they've given out one to the United Nations. It's called the hundred dollar computer, and they're giving them out to people in Africa and different countries. Uh, over here, they cost about three hundred dollars, and that buys supposedly two other ones to give away to Africa and this is and it was invented at uh, MIT and funded again by the big dark forces of the Pentagon and they're so far advanced uh, to anything that you're given here it, it's it's staggering they can even work on cell phone technology you don't even need to be hooked up to the regular internet yes. uh, the sound cards are more superior and they've got antennas with them as well we're back with more after these messages through the matrix and I've got to race through another two callers. We've got, we've got Vera from Missouri here. Are you there, Vera? Hello, Vera. Yes, um, hello? The, the, hello? Yes, go ahead. The scientists who work for this elite, yep. these super intelligent people, aren't the elite afraid of them? No, but you'll, you'll find that if you study even the... See, the thing is to study as many previous systems as possible. It gives you an idea how it works. And so much was written about the Soviet system, and what they found out, and many books have been published about the Soviet system. It was an experimental system that's now used worldwide. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the most monitored people and spied upon people was everyone uh, in, in bureaucra- uh, bureaucrats uh, who worked for the system, and the scientific intelligentsia. They had more taps on their phones and their rooms and so on. Uh, they were the most, there was so much data collected daily on every single one of their main employees that they, they couldn't uh, miss one when he went, can I hear why? They'd catch him before anything happened. And it's the same here. Oh. Kind of. system. Kind of scary, but I've been studying this for a long, long time. Well, look, not studying it, but looking at it. Yeah. And I, I have a very old book here, and I'll read this really quick. And I, I'll shorten it, but it says, There will always be individuals more intelligent than the average who will not consider themselves bound by the social laws imposed on others. They will be so intelligent that not being restrained by any moral break, they will end by developing a civilization similar to the imagined by, that imagined by Adolf Huxley. And that was written in 1947 by a French physicist. 
Oh, yeah, and it's true. I and mean, Huxley wrote his book, Brave New World, in the 1930s, 1933, and then followed it up by... Um, oh, and he was talking about his colleagues, you know. Yes, oh, yeah. And there's a whole... And, and, and now, now we find out all these major uh, characters worked for the British Secret Service, all these mainstream authors that, that really changed our ways of thinking and, and, and uh, to us on fantastic voyages and so on, uh, they were all employed, and, and MI6 took over that role. And employ- even poets were, were, were eventually, big uh, poets were even employed by the culture creators to get ideas into our minds and, and shape our minds as we went along with the agenda, thinking it was all quite natural. So, well, yeah, it never you, looked natural to me. <laughs> oh, I, I know, I know. If, if your mind is awake, uh, you understand what's happening all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's quite depressing, I tell you. I know. Well, thanks for but, calling. Um, thank you. I've got Dave in California. Are you there, Dave? Uh, hi, Alan. Hi, yeah. Yeah, um, I just have a couple of questions about chemtrails. Uh, I live in the Bay Area, and I've noticed the last couple of years uh, what I call harp clouds, really bizarre shapes and uh, formations, geometric almost, in the clouds. Yeah. And... Um, I had a couple of uh, effects, which I don't know whether they're real or not. I, I like your comment. Uh, over the last couple of years, every now and then, maybe three or four times, I wake up in the middle of the night, and it's almost like I've connected to an electric current. And, uh, yeah. and I'm just wide awake for about an hour and can't go to sleep until after that. Yeah. And I, it's, I have no explanation for it, uh, except possibly they're doing experiments or something. Uh, they are using harp on top of the spraying, uh, and uh, oh. I think it was uh, Teller came out with all that technology back in the 50s and explained it, and you're probably getting the side effects of that. I see. But I have to go, that's, that's the music coming in. Okay, thank you. And so from Hamish and myself, up in a very snowy Ontario, Canada, it's a lot of shoveling, too. That's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>